Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the Jay, the answer is I'm not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense, I encourage you to check out episode zero where I explain that joke as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast where we talk about faith, family, fitness, finances, and sometimes fun. Well, welcome everybody back to the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast. Thank you so much. And I begin every single show by saying thank you again since we've gone to the video and the audio format and the amazing Shane Dale has helped me with production. Uh, so many of you are listening and numbers up. It means a ton to me. Thank you. But I quickly want to get to our guest. I've been promising you a great guest coming. And he is a new friend of mine named Jay Lee, the sales ninja. You're going to learn all about him. But real quick, I want to say, Jay, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. Uh, Jay, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself for a minute, but I've got to tell you a brief story. Uh, I, I met you just 45 days ago, and I w- you were doing a sales psychology course. And you were doing a little bit of your backstory, and uh, you were a minister. Uh, you remember running at a deficit, you know, week to week, month to month, uh, try- trying to, to serve, uh, taking your kids' places and going to the grocery store and wondering where the credit card was going to decline. Um, but you were also gifted at sales, and, and, and now that's what you're doing in a large way to enable the ministry you have. And my first thought was, you know, did I just meet my new best friend? Because we have a, a parallel story, uh, but you're way ahead of me in terms of aspirations. So it's exciting to, to meet you and see what you've been through and where you're going. But the rest of the crowd who listens to this hasn't had the privilege of hearing as, that, as much of that do you mind giving us just a brief introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, my pleasure, Gordon, and thanks for having me on the show again. Really glad to be here and wanted to share, you know, and inspire any of you here. I love the podcast name. Um, so basically my background is I was an introvert, believe it or not. An introvert turned into a, a banker. From a banker, I became a pastor and after doing 10 years of full-time pastoral ministry and you know for many years struggling to raise support i was down to about a thousand dollars a month in my salary i live in toronto canada average home is over 1.3 1.5 million dollars for not even a nice home (laughs) so the living costs are very high and uh, like uh, gordon was saying i had to put some items back or the credit client credit card got declined more than more times than i would like to admit and I remember making a vow to God and saying, God, if you give me the ability to generate wealth and resources, uh, my passion and my mission is to help uh, the next generation and struggling entrepreneurs to break that generational poverty. So that's always been my heart. Didn't know that that would actually happen. And then I got into, I guess, what you call high ticket uh, closing, which is basically selling or being a salesperson for coaches that s- sell high ticket offers at a couple of thousand dollars. And I accidentally, and maybe mistakenly, uh, stumbled across, you know, almost six figures in the first month and passed six six figures in the next month part-time. Amazing, amazing. Uh, Jay, uh, it's exciting to see and hear your your arc um, because uh, I think I've shared with you, I mean, uh, I went from being full-time minister 18 months ago and then jumping uh, full-time into what had been my my bivocational or side gig or hustle, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
And initially, when I did that, it's survive, 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 right? Like just, uh, I mean, it was like church planting all over again. Like, Absolutely. I, can can the, yeah. can the bills, <laughs> bills get paid? But um, work, working with you, and then coming into really 2022, I'm just now really getting a sense where what I'm doing at Capitalize uh, can serve people more so than just can I make some money? And I'm in a place where I do want to care for my kids as they go to college and better prepare for whatever they want to do and weddings. And, you know, and I'm 51, whatever the, you know, the back, you know, 35 years look like, but it's exciting to begin to see that I could do that. And it, and it have a, a missional sense of serving and, and caring for others. And there's so many things I want to ask you. When did you get that sense that, what you're doing now uh, in terms of sales training and, and high-ticket closing could also be that service offering that you have. I don't ever look at anything in life differently from ministry. Like, even though I was, quote-unquote, in full-time pastoral mm-hmm. ministry, and now that I'm, quote-unquote, out of pastoral ministry, uh, I don't think you can take the ministry or the pastor out of anyone that's called, because everyone is called. Mm-hmm with the mm-hmm. gifts of God and the grace of God on people's lives. Everyone has different and special gifts on their lives and we're supposed to be faithful with little and entrusted with much. So whether it's collecting the garbage, whether it's doing office work, whether it's delivering newspapers or pizza, like everything that we can do, um, we can do it for the glory of God and do it to the best of our ability. And I always say to my kids, leave the washroom in a better state than when you entered. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and, and... I, I mean, I've seen you in the the training calls that we're a part of, and, uh, you know, the, at any point in time, I don't know how many are in there, 8, 10, 20, 25, and you're doing that. I mean, people are bringing honest questions to you about how they're trying to grow their business or their ministry, and you're offering real practical, on-the-moment help that's enabling them to make a shift. You did that with me just the other day. Um, I believe it was... Um, someone had given me a no and, and you quickly, they just, you know, they were like, I want the quick answer. That's all I'd pay for the quick answer. And then you gave me an approach or how to follow back up with them. How did the skills of, um, quote unquote, full-time ministry help you move into the skills of what you're doing now? What, what were the parallels or what did you see that was similar in the two? Great question. So in um, ministry or the full-time pastoral role, um, my last position was as a regional evangelist for all of Canada. So I call myself the reluctant evangelist or the accidental mm-hmm. evangelist. And the, the, the joke in my movement was, you know, you get around Jay, he breathes on you, and you come to know Jesus, that kind of a thing, right? <laughs> wow. So in the 10 years... There was probably over 43,000 conversations, over 5,000 people equipped across North America because I did all these, um, you know, workshops and seminars and traveled all across uh, West to East Coast and down to New York and L.A. and North Carolina. And I would talk at conferences where there was, you know, hundreds, if not, you know, thousands of people um, and got a lot of people trained and saw literally people like over 10,000 people make professions of faith. I don't know beyond that because, you know, who knows what's beyond our uh, reach and only only God knows. Um, but just having a lot of conversations and doing your reps 
and building relationships and you know with even sharing and demonstrating the love of jesus christ which is unconditional it's kind of like a hard sale and some um and some would even call it impossible with people who are not open people who are of different faiths and backgrounds so i come with an approach of having tried things and been very harsh and saying turn or burn kind of a thing uh which doesn't work very well or hey let me walk alongside you um if it's more of a longer relationship if it's a shorter one you know what's what's next in terms of what the next hit dopamine hit is and then as you go and go across that sliding scale with people who don't know Jesus, death and in sales it's just moving people along and pushing that ball down the court if you will to help them realize that you have a solution in your coaching practice that can really transform their lives to save them time save them money buy them back time and make them money Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, solve a solution or, I mean, offer a solution to a problem is always the heart at basically every sale. And uh, also the heart to anybody who might want to come worship. I mean, what, what you know, this is the need I have. Where's that need met? Um, uh, re- uh, hearing your story that we referenced earlier about uh, just the struggles uh, and doing the amazing work you're doing financially um, – now that I'm on this side of ministry, if you will, my children are older, I share some of the more challenging times that they may not have been aware of when they were younger. And during the housing crisis down here in 08 and 09, we made the house payment. The three credit cards like, were completely maxed. And there was less than $100 in the bank, and there was nothing in savings. Like So, I mean... It, there was that day you looked at it and you're like, I got, I got nowhere to go. And a friend literally that day knocked on the door and handed me a check for a thousand dollars unsolicited. Oh, just, just, you know, one of those moments they knew me, of course, they knew how difficult, you know, life circumstances ministry was. And so we shared that story with the kids that, you know, uh, just being sustained in, in those miraculous moments. Um, Jay, along your lines of uh, before you made that that leap to where you are now and you were doing the the reluctant reluctant evangelism, did you have moments like that? Hardships and struggles? Moments where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the next bill, and then somehow it got paid. Those kind of things. Oh, yeah. I mean, it felt like, um, I don't know if it was a daily thing, but a very... (laughs) Uh, a struggle that was very real for 10 years. I mean, there are four seasons of the 10 years where I was um, not making any money for nine months at a time, four times. So I call that looking back spiritual pregnancy, God testing me and saying, (laughs) you know, do you really love me? Will you feed my sheep? I'm like, yeah, but how do I feed my sheep? (laughs) How do I feed my children? And so, after having to return groceries or not being able to make payments or, you know, being afraid to make purchases uh, at the grocery store and having those declined or, you know, not being able to put as much gas I need to. So there were many times where I was just like, I don't know how we can make this happen and how we can make this work. And I just said, God, I'm going to continue doing what you want me to do. I'm going to do my best, even though it seems like it's not going to work out. I want to worship you, whether we're broke, whether we're not broke, um, in the good times and the bad times. I want to continue to have the posture of worship and glorifying you because when you are faithful with little, God will entrust you with much. 
And so as of actually this week, believe it or not, with all, you know, the, the $1.5 million average homes here in Toronto, with being in a lot of debt and not making a lot of money and being in a lot of need, my wife told me that we are mortgage-free this week. That's incredible. Wow. Uh, congratulations. Thank God all that comes along with that. That's that's a transformation. So that's a... Encourage, ring the bell. Yeah, that's uh, that's encouraging and inspiring uh, for me in, in, in my journey. So, well, you know, I think one of the ways you're doing it, what I uh, and just getting to know you in this brief amount of time, and you've written about it, is that you see yourself as a heart-centered entrepreneur. Uh, I think those are your words. Uh, how would yeah. you describe that? How would you describe being a heart-centered entrepreneur? So. That's a great question, Gordon. So a lot of uh, times when you go into like sales calls or someone is trying to quote unquote pitch you, uh, you'll have people on one end that is trying to deliver a product, solve a solution that you're facing and then force the card out of your wallet or push you along the finish line to regardless of if you're a good fit or not, uh, regardless if you don't have enough money and they're kind of, you know, it's a means to an end a lot of time. Uh, and you, you are that dollar bag that they see at the end of the day. Um, and so when I look at sales and on, you know, that heart center leadership, um, it's the opposite of pitching. Selling is a lot of times just pitching. And in, in sports, when you do baseball, the goal of the pitcher, this is story time with Sales Ninja, is the person out, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in the sport of tennis, you serve and then you have a back and forth volley where you have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And you kind of see, you know, have fun, play along the way, listen to them, listen to learn, not listen to sell. And serving is, uh, it, sorry, selling is really serving. And then if it's not a good fit, if it's not the right timing, if they're not coachable, then I'll say, listen, I don't think we're a good fit. I don't think, you know, you'd be, you know, the right timing right now. I disqualified someone else uh, in another program that I was uh, selling for. And they were quite, uh, what's the word, offended by mm. the three things that I said that they needed to do, change. And they came three months later into the program and they hit like $20,000 in the first 30 days because they had the right mm. posture, positioning, and the heart. And all that to say with the heart-centered leadership is, you know, if we can, or when we can detach ourselves from the money, when we can detach, detach ourselves from the materials and we can put people over profit, uh, transformation over transaction, that's what's been working really, really well for me. You know, I, I love that, Jay, because w when you are uh, when you are selling or when you are presenting or, or serving, um, the the temptation is ABC, right? Always be closing that you've got to close at every yeah. moment, and um, and if you if you if you're not planning on closing at that moment, it's requiring faith in one of two things. <laughs> it's uh well i'm not going to close right now because i got faith in myself to come back around and close it or um i've got faith that, that that god's got this lined up for me or the right clients for me or the right people to serve uh, so i've heard you say that sales without faith is dead so for any of my listeners uh there's a verse in the bible that says faith without works is dead which talks about um we we demonstrate our faith by the life that we live and then how we serve what do you mean by sales without faith is dead? Yeah, I'm probably going to write a book on that and probably do a TEDx talk on that. I have a, it, a TEDx please, um, please. 
coach and an international bestseller that's going to be coaching me on this as well. So sales without faith is running on the idea of that sale, uh, faith without actions or faith without works is dead. So two things to sell more, to give more is when you think about the word sales without faith is dead. When you do not believe in yourself or have faith in yourself, sales will not happen. Mm-hmm. When you don't believe or have faith in the coaching solution that you have for uh, the person that is on the other side of the, um, the call, then it'll be very difficult to sell. But when you have faith in yourself that God has brought you on this earth as special, loved, and a gift, when you believe in the gifts that God has gifted you and realize that the gift is from the giver and not look at me, look how great I am, look at all the work that I've done and all the accreditations and the podcasts and the degrees that I've accumulated. It's the gifts of God and to be able to believe that the giver is a giver of all good gifts. So it's all about, it may sound um, like semantics, but when we understand the true source of power and our faith is placed in that power, which is God for me in terms of my faith in God, that the ideas of selling, the ideas of handling objections, the ideas of lead generation, the ideas of messaging, the ideas of serving, um, serving to sell, it becomes fun. It becomes playful. It becomes easy. It becomes, you know, the no is like, okay, so Gordon, you said, no, that's fine. Why, why I'm just trying to understand why you're saying no, what maybe I didn't do a good enough uh, job sharing the value of how I can help you save time, save money, build relationships or whatever it is that situation that you're in. Um, so let me go back a little bit before I let you go. So I can help the next person uh, if I'm not being clear in the value that I offer. So I want to learn every single call and I don't, mm-hmm. there's no pressure. And so you get to play in the playground and learn. Um, in, in church planting, which I know you're familiar with, um, uh, so we planted two churches, and, and there was, at least for me, uh, two types of desperation. There was just a selfish desperation. This has got to work out, uh, you know. <laughs> is there uh, In the first church plant, it was literally, is there anything left in the bank account this month, you know, that I could, that I could have a, a check. I mean, that happened at times. Um, and so the desperation was just got to work out. It's got to work out, works out. And then there was times where it was a holy desperation where like, God, I really want to see what you're going to do here. The, the holy desperations were probably the best moments. Um, cause I was so eager to see what God was going to do. And then the selfish desperations were painful and absolutely scary. When you're training, and I know this is my paradigm, but I hope it, it makes sense. How do you move people from that first one, where they're so desperate for the close, to um, sales without faith is dead? I mean, how, how do you move them towards a, a faith-filled sales that maybe is a holy desperation? How do you make them, how do you make that shift with folks? That's a great question. That's a difficult question to answer. Um, <laughs> I think when you can answer the questions that we discussed earlier, which is, you know, do you really uh, believe and have faith uh, that you are called to do what you're doing, right? Um, If that why is not strong enough, 
then you're going to keep trying, trying, trying. And even though you might be the hardest working person in the, in the room, it's, it might be like selling ice to Eskimos. There might not be a starving mm -hmm. crowd to uh, have a market demand. Uh, and not knowing when to pivot is really important. So when you're called and you, you know your why, it makes it a lot easier because uh, a lot of people teach grit. A lot of people teach that passion and perseverance, which I 100% agree and live by. But when the why and the focus is not uh, fueled properly, then it becomes a lot of hard work, which becomes burnout. For me, my wife, my family cannot stop me from working because I'm playing. And there is no limitations. It's untapped potential. Like, I have to literally force myself to stop playing because I love playing. Like, not only in the business world, I love playing with my kids. I love playing sports. I'm just a big kid, a man child that mm -hmm. loves to play. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you can find the wonder of playing and having fun, um, then everything becomes a lot easier because your vantage point is not really work. Mm. Mm. Uh, Jay, towards that, um, when you're working with a client or, or someone who's very at the beginning, like they want to start a business or they feel like they have a service and they're at that, that groundwork. How do you help them see that it's fun? Because you're right, they, they've been taught, well, I know I'm gonna have to work hard and, and, and those kind of things, but how do you, how do you help them see that it's fun? That's a great question again. So I use something like the Ikigai um, chart where there's three concentric circles. Mm -hmm. And basically one is what can only you do that you do really well? What do other people say that you do really well? And what will people pay you to do well? It's not mm -hmm. one of three, it's not two of three, but when all three match. So here's a story time, again, Sales Ninja story time. When you look at American Idol and Simon Cowell is on the panel of judges, and let's say, you know, um, Susan uh, goes on and she's singing, and she's not very good at singing. In fact, she's tone deaf, and she's like, you know, super confident, super eager, super enthusiastic, and she does this performance, which Simon says, Oh my goodness, that was awful. I there's no reason why you should be singing on stage. And then she she would respond, "That's not true. All my friends say I'm really good. Uh, my parents say I'm good. My siblings, my my." And he would he would say, "Well, they're lying, right?" <laughs> and so, what can only you do really well? What do other people say you are doing really well? And what will people pay you to do? And all three of those. Uh, when you can find that sweet spot, zone of genius, superpower, whatever you call it, when they all combine into one place, it's not, it's not, it's it's easy. It's that life-giving fun of you can do it easily. Uh, people will be willing to pay you. There's a demand for it. Um, that's helpful. Uh, helpful for me, even here in this midst of this journey, and then uh, helpful for hopefully anyone who's out there. Um, what often battles fun is risk. Um, I was recording a video earlier today, and the question to me was, um, you know, what, what are small business or entrepreneurs most scared of? And I said, well, the quick answer is to run out of money, but I don't think that's the practical answer. I think the practical answer is, is risk. Um, you know, what risk to take and how much to risk. Um, how do you, how, maybe how did you, whichever one the case may be, uh, how did you mitigate risk or how did you handle risk? You're, you're fun, you love to play, but risk was still there, had to be. And so how did you handle risk? 
risk is always there in life every single day you know whether we're in a safe place where they're in a dangerous place there's always risk um mitigating risk is you know taking calculator risks so you know i always try to look at what's the biggest roi uh for the least amount of work and if there is an investment uh even if it's a large amount will it return my investment and double it or more um, and I look mm -hmm. at proof, I look at case studies, I look at, um, you know, testimonials. So in life, um, you know, I'm not afraid, like, for example, here, here's story time again. So, you know, I bought uh, several different winter jackets here in Toronto, Canada, it's still cold. I've bought, you know, you know, I won't name names, but jackets that are like, you know, a couple hundred to, you know, mid like $500 jackets um, that were expensive. And I ended up buying a $1,000 jacket. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I bought a $1,000 jacket, and if you looked at it, you'd be like, how on earth is a jacket like that $1,000? It doesn't even look like a $1,000 jacket. But number one, it's Gore-Tex. Number two, it's breathable. Number three, it's waterproof. Number four, it's light. Number uh, five, if anything happens to it, there's a lifetime warranty. No hassle warranty. So true story, I had uh, this jacket, and I think within a year, there was a rip inside the inside pocket. And then I uh, called the customer service and they did a no hassle replacement and gave me a better jacket. So what I did was, you know, you look at a $1,000 jacket and you say, someone might say, I could have bought five $200 jackets or I could have bought two $500 jackets or there was no reason I would buy a $1,000 jacket. But the way I see it is I bought a jacket for life for $1,000. See, I, I so love this. I took term. a risk. <laughs> I'm gonna take a maybe this is detour or maybe it applies or not so so I grew up in a situation my parents house was foreclosed on in sixth grade I mean it was it was a tough situation very loved very fortunate to have two parents who loved me but um, scrapped my way through college I mean a, a similar story a lot of people have but uh, it, it creates a lot of broke habits and I call it broke habit is anything you do like I, I'm gonna grab you know extra sauce at Chick-fil-A because I'm, you know, because I don't have chip sauce at home. You know, like any tiny little thing you do. And because of that, I've often had a bad habit of buying cheap stuff. And, uh, uh, and breaking that broke habit is, is still in me, even to this day. And with, like, running gear, running's my passion. I had, running in, in you know, poor shoes, poor watches, absolute disaster. I get hurt and those kind of things. Um, uh, did you come out of the situation, like when, when you were in that situation pastorally and the credit cards were maxed out and did you, did you fall into patterns of broke habits that you're having to learn now? The breakdown? Yeah, so I grew up most of my life, I, I grew up most of my life with that poverty mindset. You know, mm -hmm. my parents were immigrant parents. We pretty much went to the discount thrift shops. I wore the, you know, <laughs> the clothes that were not popular, not name brand, um, you know, they were the ones that lasted the longest and no matter how much you tried to destroy them or make them dirty, they would just last forever because they were made of metal or plastic or something. They were just, <laughs> it was terrible. And I, I just, I just wanted them to rip apart so I can get a better pair of shoes or better pair, a uh, better set of clothes. So I grew up and then I went to ministry and my parents would say things like, you know, because you are a pastor now, it's almost like a vow to poverty. You can't own certain things. You can't have certain kinds of clothes or cars or you don't want to show off and boast. And, you know, I come from a Korean Canadian background where, 
you know, it's you got to humble yourself, you got to be meek and all these wonderful things, but almost to a fault. Mm -hmm. And there's a dark side to it, as well as there's a restorative and redemptive side. And most of my life, I live like that. And it's only in the recent past, uh, or in the recent where I said, you know what, I'm going to redeem this for God's glory. And I'm going to be able to, um, you know, make a lot of money without feeling any guilt, which is really hard for someone in ministry to do and purchase things that are, you know, very expensive because I value the beauty and the quality of God's craftsmanship through his people. Mm -hmm. And so I have no problems dropping, you know, higher amounts of money for different things like shoes. If you don't buy them properly, you, like you said, proper tools. I want to make sure that they last long. So I want to only, I only want to try to buy it once. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, in ministry, sometimes this was something that uh, is imposed upon people I knew, and sometimes it's just in my brain. But almost anything I did outside of necessity with my time, or anything I purchased outside of necessity, there was a trigger in my brain that thought, what are people going to say? And that wasn't everybody. I, I mean, it's some wonderful people in the churches I planted. It wasn't everybody, but... I had that same mindset, and I discovered a, a rationalization for almost anything I did. When we bought our house, uh, uh, here is a great house in a great neighborhood, uh, but I was quick to tell people, oh, we got this great deal on our foreclosure. You know, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to couch it in, no, 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 you don't have to worry. I'm not, I'm not making too much money. Don't worry. And, and uh, a lot of that was my own internal idols uh, of maybe – uh, worshiping people's opinions or, or uh, trying to ple people please. But it was there. You're right. There's a, there was a ministry sense where you're being told, hey, you hit the median income, you're not going to get a raise anytime soon. Those, those kind of conversations. Um, I love the paradigm. I'm going to ask you to, to reiterate it. Seeing God's beauty in things now um, that have value and are a little bit more uh, expensive. I mean, if you're a good steward, I mean, do you still fight that, though? Do you still have that internal struggle that you're kind of walking through? Because you're right. There are beautiful things out there um, that have value, and, and there's zero wrong with purchasing them. I'm almost preaching to myself. How, how do you still walk? How do you coach yourself through that now, Jay? It's a struggle every day. I mean, everything I look, uh, you know, there's a lens that wants to default back to the old. But mm -hmm. it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. And I'm still trying to live in the new. Uh, and I'm not saying prosperity gospel or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, mm -hmm. um, when God gives much, then it's okay. And I don't know if people teach this, but it's okay to be able to um, invest or purchase things that are of worth. Right. And I, I, I think God's handiworks and his craftsmanship is beautiful. And so when I look at different things that I want to buy, I mean, I do look at it through that old lens and that old past comes back and I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend that much money. But then I mm -hmm. look at the, the value and the quality and the return, uh, whether it's something that will appreciate or depreciate, you know, I'll give you one example. Like, you know, we, 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 we had owned cars that were like over 20 years old, right? When we were in ministry, right? Like there was, these are old cars. They're like clunkers, <laughs> but we try to buy the best. Like uh, we had, we actually bought a used Camry because we know that Camrys last forever, Toyotas. And uh, it was a used car 
and we came back from lunch downtown Toronto and one of our leaders uh, was passing by and saw our new quote-unquote used car and they were like oh whose car is that and we're like oh that's our uh, car that we do spot it's a used car and they're like oh we must be paying you too much oh, I'm sorry as a that, I'm sorry anyone ever said that to and me. I was just like I'm sorry and I was just like oh I feel bad for even buying that now right and so you get judged because people look at you and they're watching you and I had to actually sell that car um, because my wife said we need two cars so I said, how much can we get for, uh, you know, $14,000? Now I have $7,000 to buy two cars. And I ended mm -hmm. up buying a van and an older car uh, because we only had, you know, 14000 to split between two cars. Right, right. Wow. Well, yeah, you don't have to tell me. Do you enjoy the car you have now, Jay? I have you a car. I have the Camry. I Do you still have the Camry? <laughs> no, I have, I have a newer Camry, believe it or not. And, and the reason, you know, yeah, I could have yeah, bought a you. higher model, like a Lexus or whatever, but yeah, the, the value and the maintenance and all that, yeah, it's uh, it's not my dream car, but it's uh, I'm being faithful with where, what stage I'm at and uh, trying to live modestly. Nice. You know, um, I do want to speak to um, small business and entrepreneurs. That's one of the segments. Uh, on This Is Gonna Hurt, we talk about faith, family, fitness, finances, and and sometimes fun. So just we talk about the struggle and how do you overcome it. It's the theme. And uh, so there's a good number of small business owners, entrepreneurs out there. And uh, whenever uh, I, I recognize my weaknesses fairly well, but every now and then I get slapped with just a, a recognition of my own weakness. And uh, day before yesterday, I think day before yesterday, um, Man, I had a strike of jealousy in me that I don't, I have not had in forever. I, I don't typically, I got lots of things I struggle with. Jealousy is not typically one of them. I'm typically a cheerleader. Like, good for you. Uh, but it hit yeah, yeah. me. It hit me like, and, I, and you know, just a reminder just to, to keep track of my heart and, and to wrestle with it. Um, uh, you're coaching uh, salespeople and business owners to grow their businesses and do good with the money that they earn. Um how do you coach your clients or how do you, how would you coach uh, a young business person that's uh, giving it all, but uh, they're struggling with jealousy when they see someone else's success? How, what would you say to them? I would bring a story, you know, Jesus brought narratives and I always mm -hmm. love sharing, you know, instead of saying being a judo master, you do this, you do that. <laughs> I, I try to use stories and say, you know, when you when I used to um, run in, in, in school and we used to have races, um, I was pretty fast. Um, and so I would win races and stuff like that. And you know what happened was I actually started feeling sorry for people who were not winning. So I started to look back and let them catch up. <laughs> and next thing you know, they started catching up and they started beating me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens when we start looking at other people, we start comparing ourselves with each other. Um, we lose, right? Mm -hmm. And really, mm -hmm. I think God has called us to be faithful with little and trusted with much. So really, my only aim is to win the race, to win the prize. And my prize is Christ and to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor. If I love my neighbor and other people half as much as I loved myself, if not God, we'd be changed in the world one person at a time. So the only person that I look to is God. And how can I better myself each and every day, 1% better every day? And then mm -hmm. God will take mm -hmm. care of the rest. 
it's it's really true um, that uh, recognizing that it's true in any of our tasks, but in the small business entrepreneurial grind world, um, I mean, our path is our path. No matter what we see someone else, we can learn from them, and we should. We should say, okay, you're killing it. I don't want to be jealous of you. What, like, <laughs> you know, teach me, or what can I just see from observation? Um, but it is hard sometimes that the, the, the blinders we have are like individual success um, because it's so geared into what we do. Do you coach folks um, who aren't concerned with your faith? And they're like, just coach me, like raw skills, Jay. Does that happen to you? And if so, or do you? I mean, how how do you adjust, or do you adjust your training for that? That are not of faith. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, they're not Christians, but they they recognize your skills and go, Jay. We want your training, you know. But we're not really looking yep. for the that aspect of it. Um, uh, how do you adjust your training when you do that, and what does that look like? Great, great question. I think half of my clients are not of faith. Um, mm-hmm. And half of them are. So I, I look at it, you know, God loves everyone. And my my selling principles come from my faith and my, um, you know, my belief in God's word. And people can take it or leave it. The reason why they uh, join uh, is not actually so much my faith or my belief in God's word. They, they, they typically when they see me either on platforms or live shows or Facebook lives, uh, they'll say things like, I watched you. I really like the way that you spoke. I trust you. And like they say, you're a heart-centered leader. And so that's why I want to learn from you. And so I think when you have an attractive character where you come off as very honest, vulnerable, and I'd say, you know, people look at me, they say, oh, you're crushing. I'm like, what? No way. I, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I don't I don't even know what I'm doing. I just like a, a, a accidental, reluctant evangelist. I'm that accidental, reluctant salesperson that is still trying to figure out how this all works. And people, if they can, if I can just stay one step ahead of them and, you know, uh, when, when, when my clients win, I win, that's my why, Mm -hmm. not when I win and make money off of them. It's when my clients win, they get results. When you, when I saw you hitting your first client, I'm like, that's my win. Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, and I got to admit today, uh, you know, I've coached or consulted in some realms since so three, but, uh, onboarding that new client today was incredibly excited. Uh, they were eager. I mean, one of my, I, I have that, the clients I, who will, I will work with and the ones I don't. <laughs> and one of the characteristics of the clients I will work with is that they're teachable. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't want to wrestle people against their methodologies. And uh, this new client was incredibly excited. They've been saying to me, I'm excited about getting started with that. And I know what this, I know what this client has told me they need and, and their mission is incredibly, I get that. I'm excited to continue extending that on down. Uh, I want to jump way back and ask you a quick question. You mentioned North Carolina. You're in Canada. Um, I, I spent my whole life in North Carolina up until 2013. We came in Virginia. What parts of North Carolina were you were you doing ministry in? Raleigh. Raleigh. It was oh, okay. King's, Which, King's okay. Church. <laughs> Wait, what years would that have been, Jay? Just do you, when you were down in North Carolina? Uh, 2010-ish. That's crazy. Jay, I'm pretty confident I was there. So uh, the entire time I've been interacting with you, I've been wondering, my church plant was Mm. a suburb of Raleigh called Garner. Okay. And uh, I I knew the guys up at King's Cross pretty well. And um, so in in some wonderful providential way, 
we probably uh, were at least in the same room back in 09, 10, 11, somewhere in that area. But uh, you know, I was you wondering know Ron that. and Lynette Lewis? Yes, I do. Well, there we go. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where I would go. And I would uh, there'd be like student conferences that would have like 2000 plus people. And I would hold workshops there. Well, I don't know if they would remember me, but uh, I remember that. So that's fantastic. That's that's really, really great. Um, uh, I still have a very soft spot for Garner and that, that area outside of Raleigh, and, and, and it's, a, it's wonderful. My, a lot of my family lives in that area. So providentially, that's kind of funny to, to think about. Well, I'm, I'm going to do a, a slow descent here, um, Jay. Uh, you've got platforms. You've sent me those links, but as, as people – want to interact with your sales training and learn a little bit about you where where's your home online that you want them to find you and where's a good place yeah they can join my free facebook group um if you just go to gosalesninja.com backslash facebook group um you can find me in there where i just give tips tricks hacks strategies i do lots of lives i'm going to launch a sales ninja show that i'm really excited about where i'm Mm -hmm. going to do weekly trainings and i'm going to put people in the hot seat so I'd love to have you in there. We're going to put people in the hot seat and just answer questions on the fly, real time. Please. That'd be great. I'd love to. Um, let me know. Uh, a quick question. Uh, one of the things that you and I talk about a lot is growing Facebook groups. It's a phenomenal way to, to keep a community connected. Um, this is purely selfish, so it's my show I get to ask you. Uh, if, if folks if folks are going live in their Facebook group and they're just not getting the audience, um, uh, do you can – I mean – just continue to tell them, just keep going live. Leave the content up there. Just keep going, and, and people will come back to it. What do you think? I mean, I know there's ways to draw a crowd in there, but let's say you you have a couple of events and one, two, maybe zero. Um, do you encourage people just uh, to leave that content up there and keep going it so that can people interact with it? What's, what's your advice on that? Uh, test, iterate, and resonate. Mm-hmm. So okay. test uh, your messaging. Iterate if it's not um, getting traction. And then once you have traction and it resonates, then you know you have proof of concept. And keep doing that. Alex Ramosi, and I highly recommend this plug, in the $100 million office, he says, if you have not tested out your offer at least 100 times, you haven't tried enough. Hmm. That book is phenomenal, everybody. It's, it's, It's the size of a children's book in terms of, like, how tall it is and how wide it is. But it may only be, I don't know, it's less than 100 pages. But... Phenomenal, phenomenal. In fact, it, it's taken off. I've seen a lot of people, just friends, recommend it. It's uh, You can get it on Amazon. I think you can find it at tons of other places. But it is, And that testing your message 100 times is where your faith gets tested. Because you just, you know, like, I got zero. I got zero. I got yep. zero. And, and I get that. I've, I've built, like everybody, I've built, I don't know how many click funnels I've built, you know, and then you, you, know, and then you, you build it and try it and test it. But I love that. So it was... Uh, um, iterate and resonate. What was the first one? Uh, oh, it, um, uh, test, iterate test. and resonate. Test, iterate and resonate. That's fantastic. That's, uh, that's some good, good content. Jay, uh, uh, would you give, um, there's someone right now, they're getting ready to they're thinking about starting a business. They feel a passion about it. Like, I think this is something that's really going to care and serve a lot of people. Um, uh, what would be, you know, what would be just a couple of quick pieces of advice uh, as they think about, uh, am I going to take this leap and start a business? What would be just a couple of quick things you would tell them? Sales without faith is sales. Uh, sorry, faith. Sales without faith is dead. So <laughs> you need to 
and faith in the belief that God has gifted you with something because unless you take that move, unless you take that risk, as we talked about earlier, unless you invest in yourself, time and money, um, you will never know what God can do. And, you know, one thing that I look back is, you know, I'm, as a futurist, I don't want to get to heaven and say, these are the these are all the steps of faith that I missed. But I want to take every single risk and to every every step out of the boat, like Peter walking out of the boat was my favorite story in the Bible, because, you know, out of the uh, disciples, he was the only one that stepped out in faith and had that wow faith, walk on water faith. Not only did he, did he defy the laws of physics and gravity when he stepped out onto the water to look at Jesus, when he plunged because he lost his faith and Jesus immediately reached down and grabbed him. He could have waited a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, let him drink some bubbles and even die. But he says, it says in scriptures, he immediately, that's God's heart for us is he's going to help us. And not only did he walk on water once, he had to get back on the boat. So he walked on water twice. I think a lot of people forget that. So God is a God of second chances and he's going to help you. And when you have faith, his grace will be abundant. His love will be extravagant uh, and his help will be excessive when we trust him, not ourselves, mm -hmm. trust him. So I really encourage any of you who are thinking of taking that uh, step of faith is to look to God, hear his voice, follow the call and trust in him and his wisdom. And, you know, you, you can find other people that will help you along the way um, that will accelerate your um, action and save you time money and headaches as well fantastic thank you uh uh remind me again i believe it's go sales ninja.com is that correct jay is that the best place to find you yeah go sales ninja.com uh backslash facebook group okay okay um and guys definitely join that group you're gonna get an opportunity to interact with jay and the great community that he's building around there of Salespeople and sales trainers uh jay i want to say thank you for all the assistance you've given me early on um, as I launched my program this week, and a, a lot of it had, was due to the help you offered. So I want to say thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to how it gets shaped going forward, uh, but I appreciate it. Uh, Jay, uh, any last things you want to offer for the audience? Anything you might want to contribute or maybe something you're like, I really want to say this. I want to make sure we never left words unsaid. Anything out there? Yeah, the last thing I'll say is, you know, people don't care so much what you say, but they, they really remember how you made them feel. So when you give them the experience and the love of God and the, you know, not the salesy, sleazy or slimy pitch, but that you really come alongside to serve them and to love them well, not only does it throw them off guard, they feel transformed. So I really want to encourage you guys to not just focus on your messaging, but make sure that your heart, that heart-centered leadership, that heart-centered entrepreneurship is there to really serve them well. And, uh, you know, my only debt in this life, at the end of this life, because uh, the mortality rate is still 100%, is that I would have two words on my uh, my tombstone, which is loved much. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, as, as we look at uh, death is undefeated, so I, I appreciate that reminder of the way we should uh, just squeeze out every single thing that we've got to, to offer for other folks and to God. So, Jay, thank you so much. Um, I, I get the privilege of talking to you once a week, and I hope the community reaches out, finds you online, and gets to interact as well. Uh, thank you so much for being here, and I look forward to talking to you soon. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast. Uh, we get together every single week. I appreciate it a ton. Always don't hesitate to reach out to me if you've got any questions or comments. And I look forward to what we have next week as well. But this was rock solid gold here, thanks to Jay. All right, guys, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you later.
How do you shorten the time it takes to buy a car? Car buying just got easier. Pohanka365.com lets you complete as much or as little of the car buying process online. Pohanka365.com. Car buying simplified. Anytime, anywhere.